And good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 the Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Coming to you after the Cardinals have dropped a series from to the Pirates. They've also dropped a series to the Brewers this week. It's not been nearly as good of a week as it was last week when we talked. But before we get into all the depressing stuff, I do think it's appropriate to talk about Adam Wainwright, who, as he has done, it feels like basically all year long, stepped up to stop a losing streak. Um, and, and very appropriately did it on the day that they are, uh, they were acknowledging and honoring uh, Bob Gibson. Uh, you know, Wainwright goes out there at age 39 and 50 weeks, 51 weeks, um, and throws eight scoreless innings against the Pirates and looks... I mean, Tara, we've seen a good run out of Wainwright a number of times, but this this run that he's on right now, I mean, really would not be out of place in 2012 or 13 when he was contending for Cy Young's. Yeah, it's really been interesting to watch and to kind of try to figure out how to discuss in terms mm-hmm. of the context of where he's at in his career, what this team has needed this season, but also just in terms of how good he's been in general. I I mean, it's hard to place this in that kind of chronological order and think, oh yeah, this makes sense right now. But it's also, you almost have to talk about it in terms of just how great Adam Wainwright has been in some of those peak moments in his career because he's doing things now in a different way to some degree, but he's also making it work for him as well as he ever has. And, you know, I I think we've talked about it. I know I've talked with uh, Alex on the Chirps podcast about it and just in general that one of the biggest differences to me is just how simplified everything seems to be from his approach standpoint and that whatever... (laughs) whatever zone he was able to tap into mentally this season and really last season as well and kind of carry it through into 2021 is so settled and so consistent and so repeatable that all the physical things that got in his way for a number of years where he was fighting injuries. I mean, it took him a little while once he was healthy to figure out what to do with being healthy. And Mm -hmm. now he's figured that out and has done so in uh, I I continue to hesitate every time I try to explain what I'm what I'm seeing what we're all seeing watching Adam Wainwright because it's so controlled and it's so consistent and it's so almost not nonchalant in the sense that he isn't taking it seriously but it's just like yeah this is it's just what I do it's <laughs> it's fine I don't I don't know why uh, yeah it's it's cool but <laughs> um it's been just a a pleasure once again to watch Adam Wainwright and I hesitate to even say reinvent himself because it's not like he's changed anything dramatically from what he's done before right he still uses the curveball as effectively as he ever has he mixes it up in terms of location and speed and pitch type and and all those things he still looks like the Adam Wainwright that he's always been he's just doing what he does with such a fine-tuned, dialed-in, uh, I don't know, 
perspective or approach or, or whatever it is. Um, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with Adam Wainwright about what, <laughs> what that looks like and how you can create that same kind of focus and same kind of plan and, and program in other areas of life, <laughs> if that's possible. But <laughs> because it just it feels so satisfying to watch everything that he's put into the last couple of years have these kinds of results. Yeah, I, I was pulling it up for the season. Adam Wainwright is 13th in baseball in ERA, which is remarkable just yeah. itself. But if you look at his second half, he's fifth in baseball in ERA for since the All-Star break. He's got five wins, which is more than anybody in this top, you know, top 10, top 20 uh, has. Um, he's pitched in eight games, which is more than anybody but Marcus Stroman has. He's got more innings than anybody else has. And in that stretch, he's thrown 50, struck out 51, walked eight. He has a whip of 0.86 and a batting average against 199. His numbers, and, he, and he, you know, two down from him is Max Scherzer. And Scherzer's numbers are similar except that Scherzer has pitched like 17 innings less. Uh, oh, no, yeah. 23 innings less. Sorry, I looked at that wrong. So, you know, we all were kind of on that, you know, Max Scherzer bandwagon, at least earlier in the year. Somehow we got Max Scherzer out of Adam <laughs> Wainwright. And, um, you know, it would be a lot of fun to add uh, Scherzer into that and have both of them, but that's another story. Um, just, yeah, just to see that, I mean – if you had told anybody three years ago that Adam Wainwright would be getting Cy Young votes in 2021, nobody would have believed you because nobody would have thought he was still pitching the way he was looking. Mm -hmm. I don't um, think Adam Wainwright would have thought he was still no. pitching. No. I mean, he has said that after that, that's that time in San Diego mm -hmm. when he went on the DL, he thought he was done. Yeah. Um, that he might make some sort of, you know, you know, rudimentary return, but you know, that was it. And, now he's really, I mean, really is pitching. I think it's better, as best as he's seen. And it's, and it's fun to see just because it is a guy that has learned how to pitch. Like you said, I mean, he knows how to, he knows when to throw the fastball. He knows when to throw the curveball. He, and, and, and it helps that he's got this, you know, mind meld with Yachty back there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're watching a game right now, a, a, a game is in baseball where it's pretty much, everybody's going to throw 95 or higher and there's going to be a lot of strikeouts or there's going to be walks or there's going to be home. I mean, to see a guy that's, you know, getting his strikeouts, but getting weak contact, making people put ball in play and doing it with, you know, less than overwhelming stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing to see all the way around. And it's a lot of fun to see it in a Cardinal uniform. Yeah. I'm very glad we're seeing it in a Cardinal uniform and not watching this happen you know, in Milwaukee or something crazy like that. Not that you're holding any grudges no, about that. Never. You know, and that's, but that's fair, right? I mean, this, this off season, there was this idea that Yachty and Adam might sign somewhere else as a, as a combo package. Now it does sound like we've heard the reports this week that it feels like if the, if the smoke is accurate of the fire, that Yachty really is fairly close to a, a one year extension that will be, probably similar to what he had this year. If Adam, if, if Yachty's coming back, it really feels like Adam Wainwright's coming back for one more ride. Um, you know, we get a chance to see them again and then try to continue to make that march up that battery um, standings. But as much as I love those guys, and I'm, I'm really excited, and I hope they both come back, and I hope we see this more of this anyway. 
what does it say about this team that the most exciting thing are, you know, two guys <laughs> that are well past uh, what should be their prime, even though they're kind of, you know, we talk about Yachty and anyway, but at least Wainwright is, is acting like it still is. Well, it says that there's not much else going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it says that, I don't know. I, I mean, look, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright obviously have loved being Cardinals for their mm-hmm. careers, right? So it's not as if, you know, it's a situation where that they're trying to get out. Okay, it's not that bad. Um, but I do think that, you know, as we've talked all season, there's a strange sense of staleness within the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see where the loyalties do lie and where they don't. I, I just, I, I don't know how subtle it was, but alluded to Colton Wong, not someone that the Cardinals organization felt like they wanted to be loyal to in, in any way, uh, especially uh, that's a whole nother conversation. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. But <laughs> with guys like Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, fully justifiable to have some sense of loyalty to those players and them have it to the organization in return. I don't know that anyone of, I don't know that anyone of the young guys loves or loved, I should say, being a Cardinal more than Colton Wong did. So it's not an issue of, well, do they really want to be here? Um, I think that that sense of loyalty to the veteran players or guys who have meant a lot in those big winning seasons, World Series or not, is part of what makes the St. Louis Cardinals history and legacy and culture as rich as it has been over time. So I, I don't want to suggest that I think that's a bad thing. Um, but I do think that without that influx of players coming in to fill in behind the Adam Wainwrights and the Yadier Molinas, without people on the staff, field staff and front office staff, that can be that breath of fresh air that some of the young players might be every now and then, take Lars Newtbar, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, you still kind of get this same old, same old feeling, even when there is excitement around a fantastic year by Adam Wainwright or the possibility of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina riding off into the sunset together after a, you know, a year where they can really maybe truly appreciate um, a, a larger fan base uh, or, or attendance at games or whatever it is. I, I don't know. But to answer your question, what does it say about the rest of the team? I think it says that there is this sort of status quo of valuing those guys, the Adam Wainwrights and the Yadier Molinas, so highly that it becomes the most important thing. Mm. And there is value in those guys. There is value in their stories and their legacies and the, the things that they've done in the city and in the organization but there has to be lifeblood somewhere else as well, whether that's just because you're putting together a really talented winning team or because you're actually transitioning to making Nolan Arenado the superstar, which I don't think there's been a, a great job of making that happen, but nonetheless. Um, or if it's because you kind of change the the status quo that I talked about, not in terms of you know, kicking Adam Wainwright to the curb, but of saying, hey, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to bring some new voices in and generate a little more of that excitement to go along with the same old, same old of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina doing incredible things. 
you were talking about, you know, having that next generation, if you will, of players that comes up. Um, and the Cardinals haven't had, they've had a homegrown quote, quote star basically for a long, long time. Right. I mean, the Pujols was the best of the team. And then you've had Yachty and Adam Wainwright who have at times been kind of the focal point. And there's always been some young guys coming up that have been there now, you know, the new faces that we would think would be Goldschmidt and, and Arnado, but obviously they've come out from another organization. Does that kind of institutional memory or institutional, you know, bloodline, if you will, make it more important that the Cardinals ex- get into conversations with Jack Flaherty about extending for a long-term contract? I know this is a two-sided issue and Flaherty has been fairly, I don't want to say, open but seems to have been kind of on the of the i'm going to maximize and i'm not going to sign early and blah 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 but it feels to me that with not necessarily anybody else coming up that's a guaranteed you know star if you will and the, the what we have seen out of jack flaherty in the last couple of years um it feels like this is the time where they've got to go ahead and try to see if they can't lock him down long term Yeah, you know, I feel like this is a really interesting conversation and one that probably if we were to have it with the voices in the front office that actually get a say in this, they would maybe push back a little just in terms of recent memory of, I know we've talked about this as well, the Cardinals are often very quick to create those long-term extensions, Mm -hmm. perhaps without a really solid grasp of what that means two or three or four years from now for the team. Right. But they're not. I think the the argument to that rebuttal would be they're not they they haven't often had a potential superstar in that conversation, right? We're talking right. about the Stephen Piscottis. We're talking about um, you know pick a guy that it's happened with recently, the Miles Michaelis or you know, whatever it is, Matt Carpenter, right? So we're talking about guys that aren't necessarily the the core of that star factor in the lineup or in the, the rotation. So I think there is a difference when you're talking about a Jack Flaherty versus a Miles Michaelis. But I also think that there's a very healthy hesitation <laughs> that that borders on an unhealthy hesitation for this front office in terms of spending a lot of money up front without really knowing what you're getting into. And I think that's at times why the Carpenter contract happens and why the Michaelis contract happens and why because they feel like, oh, we've seen what they have now. So it's a Mm -hmm. known commodity. And there's Mm -hmm. almost more of a value on that known commodity than the high reward, high risk opportunity of someone like a Jack Flaherty, who we see as super talented. But we all know that there's still growth that happens in a pitcher that young. And there's still learning to be done and consistency to be gained and, and all of those things. He's not a perfect pitcher and he's not necessarily Clayton Kershaw in his prime or, you know, pick a guy. He might become that. And there's right. certainly a, a projection there. He's on, on a trajectory for some really great things, but that's the kind of conversation I can imagine this front office having saying, hold on, we did this with Miles Michaelis. We jumped that gun and he's barely pitched for us in the last three years. Right. What are we doing? Um, 
and you can pick a number of different guys along the way. They're they're often quick to offer that five year extension when they don't feel like they're going to get a better deal some other way, and perhaps that's not where that where they're at with with Jack Flaherty. But in the context of what we were saying with that homegrown star, I do think it would be, would be valuable to take that chance with with Jack Flaherty. I think that it would. Um, be one of the less risky <laughs> risks that mm-hmm. they could take just because we do have a track record of who Jack Flaherty is as a pitcher and the fact that you know he's the kind of uh, of player that you can market that can bring people together I know that you know he can uh, <laughs> push some people away with his openness and talking about things that are important to him other than baseball but if the Cardinals want to lock in that we've talked before about maybe a bridge guy from from one set of stars to the next and to be the one to carry that forward I think Jack Flaherty has made himself a really um a really reliable not just pitcher but person in the clubhouse and someone that even Adam Wainwright has talked about as being a guy that can say hey (laughs) try this or do this or hey maybe this will work for you or at the same time constantly learning from the guys around him so I think it would be wise. I think that there is some risk there. And I think that the Cardinals are so shy in situations that come that come with risks that this would be a great time to break the mold. <laughs> yeah. But it's so hard at this point. We're talking about this, you know, about watching games this season where it's hard to feel like anything is going to happen differently than it has most of the season. It's hard to feel like this time they're going to get the big two out hit because most of the time they don't. Um, So it's hard to imagine the front office doing something that they've just been so resistant to. Again, if Jack Flaherty were interested in having that conversation. Right. I do. And I I think you, you, you pointed out that, yeah, he works with Adam Wainwright. They've also got, you know, there's a, there's a history there, but you know, and again, we go back to what today was Bob Gibson day. We know that Bob Gibson had a a connection with Jack Flaherty that I don't think comes along. It's not like Bob Gibson just befriends every, you know, young pitcher that comes up. I, I, I mean, I'm sure he works, you know, whatever there's at least a casual acquaintance, but I, you know, that was more than he had more than that with Flaherty. And I think that, you know, if you're going to bet on somebody, you could do a whole lot worse than betting on somebody that Bob Gibson endorsed. Right. <laughs> you know, um, but you're right. I mean, the, the organization has always made these contracts, but they do it well late in their career or yeah. at a time when it, you know, it didn't make any sense. I mean, you had another year on Miles Michaelis. You had a chance to see what he had. You were coming off an MVP year of Matt Carpenter, but one that was late in his career. I mean, you know, if if, if you sign Matt Carpenter an extension after he's had that season when he's 27, right. okay, that makes <laughs> sense. But he was, what, 34, you know, 34, 35? I mean, he was at the – it was very unlikely that that contract was going to work out well for you. It shouldn't have worked out this badly. No, don't get me wrong, but it was not likely they were going to work out well. Um, so – I don't know. I, it would. You're right. I think that if they did do something with Jack Flaherty, and of course, this is also a situation that's going to have to wait till after the new CBA, which is what we always have kind of hanging over our heads this this off season. Mm-hmm. But this would. You're right. This is the time to make that commitment. And I know they don't want to do it to pitcher because pitchers get hurt. But 
you just have to kind of factor that in and say, look, you know, we're no, we're not going to get a, we're going to assume we're not going to get it one year of this contract out, you know, and if we do great. Um, but I think it would hurt. I mean, as much as it was irritating and painful to watch Colton Wong come through this week and basically tear up the Cardinals, which is what he's going to do for the rest of his career. He yeah. may hit 200 against anybody else and 400 <laughs> against the Cardinals. I have just no doubt of it. Um, to see Jack Flaherty come in wearing a Dodger blue uniform yeah. um, and knowing that you didn't get probably, you know, the most transcendent, I mean, at least on the, on pace to be one of the more transcendent talents that have come out of your um, free agent market, especially right since or your minor league, sorry. Um, especially in a situation right now where, you know, you're developing hitters, but you're not really developing pitchers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'll be interesting with money coming off the books and stuff like that. It would seem to be the best time to do this, but again, it does take both sides to manage this. Now, We've had Jack Flaherty join back in the rotation and look like he hasn't missed a beat. Granted, it was against the Royals, but, you know, he looked good against the the Brewers as well. Um, he'll start again on Tuesday against the Tigers. Um, the rotation has been pretty good as of late and apparently good enough that uh, KK uh, has been um, activated as a bullpen piece instead of the intent of putting him in the rotation that Mike Schultz talked a little bit about a six man rotation at times. We'll see how that goes. Um, I, I don't know how, if they really want to get into that, especially since it's probably not going to be where they're going to be bumping out of Wainwright off of his every five day thing. <laughs> um, but KK in the bullpen, what are your thoughts on that? It'll be interesting. I'm very curious how they move some of these pieces in and out especially if they somehow find themselves actually pushing for a wild card spot, which eh, debatable, but nonetheless, I think that they have, <laughs> it's funny. We talk a lot about how the Cardinals don't do the thing with position players where they just collect a bunch of really good ones and then figure out what to do with them. <laughs> They've kind of done something along those lines. Although I don't know, really good ones might be a bit of a stretch, but with, with, pitchers this year that it's like they have a bunch of them but what are they going to do with them now as we've seen in the last week or so (laughs) often that works itself out and you don't have to try too hard but moving guys from the rotation to the bullpen or back depending on what John Lester or Jay Happ do or, or whatever it is I think there will be an interesting juggling act going on I'm not sure that's Mike Schultz's strong suit. So, I mean, just look at Daniel Ponce de Leon and the fact that he barely exists in the bullpen until absolutely the worst possible time <laughs> to uh, to allow him to pitch. Um, putting KK in the bullpen, I- I'm curious what those innings will look like in terms of how often he would be called upon out of the bullpen or if it's... Uh, kind of that like mystery long relief role that doesn't really exist very often or you know I don't know it'll it's look do I think he can be successful there yes I think how that best benefits the Cardinals right now I'm I'm not entirely sure except that you know maybe it it can be a a a bailout of a bad or short start from one of those guys that I mentioned previously that that haven't necessarily gone super deep into games so 
I'll be curious what what that looks like. Um, I know we've seen KK at the end of games too in the past. Um, I don't think that's something that's going to make a lot of sense. Although the arms at the back end of the bullpen probably could use a little break, <laughs> but I don't know if that makes a lot of sense in terms of what KK has been built up for this year. So I, I don't know. I'm not surprised somebody was going to have to move to the bullpen. That's just how the math works out. <laughs> um, I also will not be surprised if he actually makes a start uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of feel like John Lester is kind of one of those, you know, we might give a little bit more rope, but we didn't pay enough to, you know, make him stay in the rotation the rest of the year, especially if they do, like you said, make that kind of a push. They're not so beholden to him that they have to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw KK, the first outing he ever had was a, a relief appearance uh, against the Pirates last year, and he blew the save. Um, and that was, and then after that, we hit COVID, and, and by that time, he was back in the rotation and, and well. But this year, he's, he, you know, he's not pitched, but, you know, he hits that four inning mark a lot, but he doesn't necessarily go deep into games. But I'm afraid that, you know, we, we know how the Cardinals have been with that, you know, reserve pitcher, you know, mm-hmm. and then, like you said, like Ponce, they don't pitch for 10 days or whatever. And I, I can't imagine them doing that. I, it's going to be really interesting because, of course, KK's contract is up at the end of this year. You know, what does that look like? I mean, is he wanting to stay in Major League Baseball? I don't, you know, the Cardinals have had nothing but good relations with him, it doesn't seem like. But it also yeah. seems like I don't know that he's back next year, especially if they're willing to move him to the bullpen here at this last bit. Does he go back to Korea? I don't know. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how that goes but um for the rest of the year i mean you're right i'd like to see them you know hopefully this allows for because we've seen a lot of these situations it feels like in the last week or two where it's the fourth inning cardinals may be down a run and the bases are loaded with two outs and the pitcher's coming up you know <laughs> and, or even one out or whatever but still that idea that, man, you'd kind of like to pinch hit for him here, but it's the fourth inning, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe this allows Mike Schilt to say, okay, we'll pinch hit for him here, and KK can pitch for three innings, and then we can get it to the bullpen. It's worth it to try to take that shot. Now, you might also need a better bench for that, but that's a different story. Um, I don't know. I think that's the best-case scenario that – that makes Mike Schilt a little bit more aggressive because we've talked about it before. He, when he manages aggressive, it seems like he's manages better. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think the aggressiveness shows up far too little mm-hmm. <laughs> and there, I, I don't know why. I don't know what those moments of, I think I'm going to be aggressive today in this one decision <laughs> that I'm going to make. I don't know where that comes from, but I do agree. I think that, and sometimes, look, maybe it's because he's afraid he doesn't actually have the pieces he needs to be aggressive with. So maybe you're right. And this gives him that flexibility, the good kind of flexibility, not the kind of flexibility that just complicates things. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, puts everybody in a situation they're uncomfortable with. So that would be ideal. <laughs> My confidence level in that being how this goes, I, it's it's hovering, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we always have to wait and see because it does feel like that's the case that you just never know exactly. Um, Cardinals are about, well, you know, 10 days roughly uh, from being able to expand their roster. Uh, A couple of guys coming up. Don't expect that will make any difference. I'm sure it's going to be because like 
well, Junior Fernandez just went down today. He'll probably be back. Seth Elledge be back. Nothing, you know, exciting or dramatic, most likely. Um, but if there was somebody that could come up, is there anybody that's that you would be like, assuming no roster issues or anything like that? Was there somebody that you would like to see in September on this team? You know, I, I will admit, I know, I know I'm the the minor league. Uh, <laughs> the minor league um, soapbox person, but I have been a bit otherwise occupied this year. Ooh, I yeah, haven't paid as much attention to exactly what's happening in the, the minor league scene. Um, so I would be hesitant to start naming names because uh, I don't know that I've really given it as much attention to know uh, who I would be leaving off of that list. But it's always exciting to me to see someone get a chance at that point in the season um, just because you know they get a, a little taste, especially look if the Cardinals are not really in the, the mix for the postseason give some guys a chance who aren't necessarily there because they're going to make your team better, but because being there is going to make them better and giving them that little taste of, of minor league competition, um, giving them the chance to be around some of those minor league veterans who can give them more than they're getting, you know, in Memphis or, or wherever it might be. Um, I think that's a, a great opportunity to see, see some of those names. I know you mentioned Fernandez and, and some of those guys, um, who've had their moment to make an impression, but the impression is totally different when you're making it on the major league scene than um, hoping that people are paying attention to you in Memphis, which I clearly have not done enough of this year. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I do think that's the thing that doesn't get pointed out enough about this change from 40 to 28 um, is the number of players that are not going to get a major league a month of right. not only major league experience, but major league salary. I mean, that's a significant amount when you're mm -hmm. not getting paid anything in the minors to get, you know, one sixth of whatever, what, 500 and something thousand. I mean, it, it's noticeable for those guys. Um, right. And so it is, plus it doesn't allow for, you know, it's, it doesn't allow to bring that pro top prospect up for the most part. You know, you're just, I, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how teams do that because it's the first year it's really happened. But, you know, it could easily be that, okay, they're bringing it up with another catcher and another arm and right. you, you go on. It's nothing really interesting. I mean, it would be fun to see Matthew Libertor, although, you know, he's had his issues and I'm not sure that it's he's quite ready yet. Um, yeah. And it, that's, it might, honestly, that's the one name that I thought, you know, I would like to see him just get that, get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I also think it depends on what you're bringing – that guy up for right what right. is what is the purpose of filling that spot yeah um, if it's to make you better then you know, you don't use it for someone that you just want to have the experience right yeah and i mean there's you know Juan yepes nick Plummer. yep i mean those kind of guys that you know the guys at college talking about quite a bit those would be interesting but again you're right how much are we going to get to see them i mean we're already gonna you know it's, there's a, I think there's a possibility that uh, Dylan Carlson comes off the DL or IL um, mm -hmm. Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere earlier in this this part of the week. You know, we've seen Lars Newbar play over the last few days, and he's played fairly well. I mean, you know, he's had a couple of runs. He did have some uh, misplays in the outfield a couple times, but um, you know, he's he's held his own over this little stretch. Um, now he's going to go back to either the bench or to Memphis or whatever the case may be. 
Um, you know, if you're bringing up a guy like a plumber or a Yippos at a place, well, Yippos plays first base, I think, but, you know, an outfielder or a first base, but either way, that's, you know, only going to get in there once a month, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, right. Yeah. If they're out of the race, that's a different story. And you kind of rotate those guys in a little bit easier, but if they're even, you know, as they are right now, four and a half games out, that's close enough, especially with the Reds being the team that's in the second wildcard position. That's close enough to say you've got a shot and you can't really necessarily throw some young guy out there just to see what he's got if you're trying to win ballgames. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think that the fact that, you know, it's it's not the same as it once was where you bring a bunch of guys up mm-hmm. <laughs> and just let them, let them hang out in the, in the dugout or whatever. Um, there is some larger purpose to that. And it does make a difference if the Cardinals look, if they, if they, instead of going, you know, six and zero this week, again, drop each series that they play, and the Reds go six and zero instead. Whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. If, if the if the math starts to look like it's it has the potential to look, then the experience factor tips the scale a little bit differently than if that spot means you can have access to players who have already made your team better at some point this season, or to somebody who might just be the the right piece at the right time to give a, give you a little boost and the, there are enough people in that conversation already that maybe it's not someone that needs the experience as much as it is Mike Schilt just needing the roster spot yeah yeah it's gonna be kind of like it's gonna be kind of interesting to see how how that gets used and then if that holds up through if you know if teams want to keep that through the next CBA because that's a, something that I, I think at least could be negotiated part of those negotiations of something like that so we'll wait to see but uh, Cardinals have a week that sh- should be easier but you know <laughs> should be he's like somebody as I said talking to today the Cardinals played to the level of their competition good mm-hmm. or bad because uh, you know the Milwaukee series for the fact that they lost two out of three they look like a team that could play with the Brewers um then they lose two out of three of the pirates and look like a team that can play with the pirates. You know, you know what I mean? That's just so, uh, but they got two with the tigers and then four more with Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh um, before we get back with you next week. So hopefully we're talking about another good week. Hopefully they've cut a little bit of that uh, wild card, um, but I don't, put any money down just to be safe so (laughs) yeah keep that you might need it later (laughs) that's right so until next week that's tara i'm daniel good night hey cardinals fans thanks for listening to this week's show if you liked what you heard you can find us on itunes just search gateway to baseball heaven under podcasts and click subscribe while you're there feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.